This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. G'day and welcome to Battle 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. Local, national and international news, interviews and the latest new releases brought to you by NPR, Battle 2 People's Radio. G'day and welcome to Battle 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. This week we're going to be featuring two new interviews and then we're going to be having two of the best interviews that we've had this year. Well, we've been playing a few of those for the last two or three shows, so we're going to carry on in that, just rounding out the year. But uh, first off, before we do all all of that, um, we first off had a chat uh, with Of Mice and Men, uh, the young fella from there, and uh, then we're going to be, we had, uh, for the second section, we chat to Key Marcelo, um, formerly of Europe and now in a band called Out of This World so we're going to be chatting it with him for the second section uh, then we're going to be having Igor Cavalera, Max Cavalera's son and his band Go Ahead and Die and then we're going to finish it off with a Kiwi with a head like a hole and a booger so without further ado like I said first off we're going to be having a chat um, with Of Mice and Men uh, we're going to be chatting to the um singer and bass player from the Aaron Pauly. So without further ado, let's get straight into it. G'day, we're talking with Aaron Pauly from the band Mice and Men. They've uh, just released their newest album, Echo, uh, last Friday, the third down here in Australia and New Zealand. Um, it was actually uh, uh, three EPs, am I correct, that have, you've been working uh, releasing over the last year? Yeah, it was. Um our goal basically at the beginning of the year was to create and then release um, a series of EPs chronologically sort of as we wrote them, you know, all in an effort to shorten the amount of time between whatever lived experience we were sharing and when the audience would actually get to listen to it and respond. Um, It made it almost, um, it it made it feel like a very sort of, instantaneous form of communication rather than you know writing about a year's worth of lived experiences and then the amount of time it takes to make the record and then make all the assets and then share it you know a lot of times it's your your six to eight to twelve months removed from whatever experience you were writing about and sharing whereas when you're working in smaller projects you get to sort of share the experiences as you're living them and it becomes a for us, it was a very like meaningful exercise. Oh, mate, that's excellent. Because I was going to ask you about that the the, the writing of the, the each of the EPs. I mean, and as they were released, how far into it was the um, like the uh, you can't quite say they were live, but how live were they in the sense time wise? Um, it, it you know once we had finished the first EP and turned it in. The audience had probably heard that maybe a few months after that was finished. Um, the and and then you know for us we would finish one EP and then get to work almost immediately on the next one. 
And by the time when we had put out the first EP, when it was released, the second one was almost finished, and the third one was not even a thought yet. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it's not like you know we didn't have an an album's worth of material and then figured out how to sort of divide it up. It was very much an exercise in stream of consciousness writing and the shape of the record really didn't start to take form until there was enough of it to say, Oh, it's this shape or it's that shape. Um, and that was a really sort of awesome thing. It was kind of like making a painting where you start on the inside and work your way out and you don't really know where the edges of the canvas are. Whereas when you're, when you're making a record, you often sort of start with the canvas and you know where the boundaries are and you work your way in. And it, I feel like it made for a really sort of organic and, and, honest process because there was no preconceived box that any of it had to live in. All right. That's awesome. So could you tell us about how you guys were able to record and all that? I mean, were you guys in the middle of um, COVID and all that? And how did you guys put the album together? Uh, we made the record entirely over zoom and Dropbox. Wow. Uh, we, up until a few weeks ago, we hadn't seen each other in person since, february 2020 <laughs> so it was uh it was it was over a year well over a year um almost two years that we went without actually being in a room together but how we create and collaborate um you know thankfully technology's kind of caught up to where we can have things like zoom and and Dropbox and be able to record individually and send each other tracks and ideas. And most of the time we were all in a room together, just talking, laughing, um, in a digital space instead of in a physical space. And so a lot of, a lot of what feels good about getting together with your friends and creating music still felt good, you know? Oh, that's cool. So, I mean, you were still able to have like, um, group sort of jams via zoom that, yeah, you were able to still sit there. I mean, because that's an important part of it, eh? I mean, a lot of people talk about this just switching files and all that. And, you know, I mean, that can be cool and everything, but being able to do it real time must be, you know, it's important to the writing process, yeah? Oh, 100%. And, and, and so is just the communication. You know, if we spend three hours in the studio, two hours of them are spent talking to one another. Yeah. Um, because we like to be very, very, very focused and very, very in tune and connected with how everybody else is feeling and what everybody else wants to express before we even play a note. Everybody is exactly on the same page with what we are trying to accomplish musically before we even start. And a lot of that just takes communication and talking and, hey, how are you? Hey, I'm struggling with this. Yeah, I'm struggling with this too. Yeah, I've been going through the same thing. And you end up finding common ground and you end up really honing in on your target before you fire a single arrow off, you know? Oh, that's incredibly important. Hey? I mean, that must have been some, in, in some ways the hardest part of it, you know, although you were able to connect in that way, not be physically in the same room. Yeah. And, you know, for us, it's been several albums now where we've put our interpersonal communication at basically the forefront of importance before we start creating anything, because as something that's supposed to be a collaborative experience where four people are supposed to get as much out of themselves and as much out of the process as possible, uh, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of communication. And, um, 
when you don't emphasize that, you have the friction and you have the fights and you have the arguments and you have um, interpersonal conflict and, and people's personalities clashing. And we haven't had that in the better part of, I don't know, like five, four or five years of just really, really focusing on how we communicate with one another um, to be positive and to be uh, uplifting so that we can come together and collaborate and everybody can get the most out of it, you know? Oh, mate, that's, that's it. I mean, and it's a hard lesson to learn. A lot of bands struggle with that. Um, but, you know, I mean, that's it. And if you guys can find that, it just makes that band so much stronger. And that all comes through in the music, doesn't it? Because that's what it's so. all about, you know, everybody giving it their you know, what they can, rather than it just being, I mean, I wouldn't say dictatorship, but that's what quite often happens in, in a lot of bands. Um, so for, going on to the, the, the writing process and all that sort of stuff for you personally, um, what comes first? Is it bass or uh, vocals, lyrics? I mean, how do you hear music personally for you? Um, it's always the music comes first. Um, and us being so intentional with what we're trying to convey in the music and saying that all out loud and getting all on the same page. Um, the music always comes first. And I feel that I hear the melodies and hear the lyrics in the music. And it, it never, ever, it never, ever starts or works the opposite way. <laughs> yeah. I always, I always feel like I hear the song in the song and i feel like it's my job to sort of uncover that rather than sort of create that or add to it you know i i say all the time my responsibility as the singer is to not get in the way of what the song is trying to say <laughs> and so for me it's always the music that comes first because that to me is the most complete emotional expression and then it's my job to find words and melodies that make sense of that. But I feel like any of our songs, if you took the melodies and lyrics and vocals out, they would all still convey exactly what the melodies and lyrics are trying to convey. Well, that's uh, something I've been trying to work. Uh, I've been asking a lot of people about is that connection between um, lyrics and the music, you know, finding that connection because I mean, the music does have to convey the same thing. You want them all to be combining, and it must be a, quite a tricky thing to, to work out. I mean, how do you find that? Um, a lot of it is just... A lot of it, a lot of times, is patience. In Sometimes we'll write a piece of music that doesn't hit me or I don't feel fully connected to until something happens in my life where all of a sudden I feel inspired and I put my headphones on and suddenly the song is there and the yeah. lyrics are there and things are there. Uh, a perfect example was uh, a couple albums back, uh, our song Mushroom Cloud. And that song sat in my Dropbox for weeks, basically finished, just waiting on vocals and lyrics and it wasn't really until my mental health got really poor and I had kind of a a breakdown that I listened to that song. And it's like, oh, that's what this song is about. This song is about a mental breakdown. And now I'm going through it and the lyrics just poured out. A lot of times, you know, I've, I've, I've said it before and it probably makes me sound like a weirdo, but 
I don't really feel like I've ever written anything. I feel more like an antenna than I feel like a sculptor. I feel like sometimes it's just these thoughts and ideas and these pieces of music I hear in my head, and I don't know where they come from. Because I can't just sit and consciously create all of these things, but I can close my eyes and kind of hear them and kind of get them out. And it's sort of a that's sort of a kind of weird thing, I guess, but it feels that way a lot of the times. And so I feel like a lot of times I just have to sit with it for a long time and wait for it to come to me. And then when it does, I have to work diligently because it's not a, it's not a super easy, painless process to make an (laughs) album. You know, it's very tedious. It's a lot of work. Um, But yeah, I think it's, it's just a combination of things, you know? Excellent. So can you tell us a little bit about some of the lyrical themes and the things that you touch on um, through the uh, three EPs that you've just done? Yeah, the first EP, I feel like, sort of sets the stage. It deals a lot with the idea of what is timelessness and how does timelessness directly... um, How is that directly intertwined with impermanence? And why, why is what so much of what we consider as, as human beings timeless often impermanent, you know? The idea of giving someone you love a rose is timeless, but roses in and of themselves are impermanent. They don't last long. <laughs> the idea of a, of, of a timeless film like, uh, like one of my favorites is Casablanca. The idea that that is a timeless movie because of how it makes you feel and how it moves you. But I I would almost guarantee that the original uh, celluloid that it's made on might not even exist anymore because that is so fragile. I mean, film, you expose it to the wrong light and it goes bad. And that sort of sets the stage for that. And a lot of those were feelings that I was having before lockdown, before things had radically changed. And that became sort of a very literal physical thing. Um, Yes. And a lot of that comes with age, you know, being in my 30s and, and not necessarily being young or being the youth. And what does that mean? Um, and, then, <laughs> and then, you know, the, the Bloom EP, uh, right around the time we'd started it, I'd lost my mother-in-law. Um, me, and my, me and my lady, we've been together for 16 years now. So she was very much like my mom, very much a part of my life. Um, you know, she passed away, and then towards the end of making that, um, Tino, our drummer's mom, passed away. And just that record is so... That record, to me, is just what grief feels like. Like, listening, lis- even listening back to it, it just feels like that was the best way I could explain to somebody what, what, what grief feels like. Because it's such a multifaceted and complicated emotion. Yeah, And it's something that we write off as, as being very sort of unidimensional, but grief is like six or seven different feelings all happening at the same time. Then they're all competing. Yeah. For, they're all competing for the air that you're breathing in when it becomes hard to breathe and you get choked up. Um, and then a lot of that record deals with how the most beautiful emotions and feelings and experiences that we have as human beings are deeply, deeply intertwined with the most tragic things that we experience, you know, to know great love is to know great loss. And those things are part of the same, they're, they're two heads of the same coin. And what what is that coin? You know, the the coin is sort of 
existence and what does it mean to exist and what's the point <laughs> and, and, and if everything you love goes away why does love feel so good <laughs> you know and um, and ad infinitum which is the 30p deals a lot with existentialism deals a lot with what does it mean to exist and and what is important about it and what um what can we do that's meaningful with our existence and how does my human experience that i'm having um dealing with the loss of loved ones and dealing with the loss of a world that i felt like i was finally getting a, a, a an understanding of i finally thought i was understanding mm -hmm. things and all of a sudden the world changes you know um yeah <laughs> and sort of and sort of turning what would otherwise be an existential dilemma into an existential reckoning where you can sort of sink deeper into what it means to just be human and what it means to have been human for thousands of years and how I feel more connected to my family and to my friends and I feel more connected to my ancestors and people in the past that I've never met. And I feel more connected with artists that existed hundreds or thousands of years before me. Um, people have been making music as long as they've been writing. <laughs> you know, as long as people have been drawing pictures, they've been drawing animals and they've been drawing people playing music on drums or, or harps or, or, or lyres or, you know, old <laughs> instruments. And I feel like that makes it all okay in a way. And it, it's not necessarily something you fully understand, but I feel like as you get older, you become more cognizant of those things and you become sort of more aware of how the past and the present and the future are all really intertwined and how, you know, that's how I settled on the name echo for the album is where our human experience is really kind of just an echo of the human experiences that came before us and how even though every time you say hello and you hear the echo back it's slightly different but it all comes from that original human experience of loving family of knowing deep sorrow of knowing grief of knowing love of knowing joy i'm fascinated by history and by archaeology and um every time they find a civilization that they believe is older than the oldest one they found they find cups and how 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 we take cups for granted every day and human beings have been using these for thousands of years <laughs> to drink and ponder their own existence while they do it and that um that to me i i feel like was was me trying to just connect with what it means to be a not what it means to be a musician or what it means to be me, but what it just means to be a human. And I feel like in trying to do that, I feel more connected with the people around me and I feel more connected with my family and friends and people who give so much of their lives and so much of their emotional energy to allowing music and art to affect and move them. That's a, that's a big thing. Like you, you have to give up a lot of control to allow something to emotionally move you. And the fact that so many people dedicate their lives to it, um, whether that's music or that's art or it's literature or it's film, the fact that we allow the creation of other human beings, things that didn't exist before but exist now, we allow ourselves to be vulnerable and be moved by that. And that to me is what arguably is the biggest gift of existence, you know?
That's awesome, man. Yeah, I gotta agree. That's really cool. Um, going on from that theme, we're going to head into artwork, and you're working with Derek Hess oh, and his, yes. and the really? stuff that he's done with um, the each visualizers and all that, plus the you know the covers and all that sort of stuff. Could you tell us about that? I mean, that must have been an experience and a half too. Oh, he he is the embodiment of taking the emotional content of things and putting them into a visual representation that tells as rich and as deep of a story as any novel. Um, and that's such a huge talent and gift that he shared with us in this. Um, yeah, I mean, working on each individual EP and when the first EP's artwork had been created, the second and third had not even been a thought. <laughs> So I I couldn't even begin to tell you what the artwork what the artwork would look like had he not been involved in the first one, you know. Yeah. Um, the first EP shows the two birds on a wire, and one of the birds is is leaving, and that sort of shows that to me is is very much a representation of uh, loss. And it's and it's a very fresh loss. The bird, one of the birds is is standing is standing on the wire, looking down, and the other bird has just taken off in flight. And that can represent losing a loved one, or um, losing a career, or losing uh, plans that you had made. It's just the idea of loss and the idea of change. The second, um, you know, the second EP um, was really about um loss and you see that same bird but now it's sitting in a big tree that was probably once full of leaves maybe it bore fruit maybe people used to sit under it but now the bird's alone in that tree and um and it's raining and the tree's dead and that sort of to me is is the depiction of what grief feels like because in seeing how sad it is you can also see how beautiful it must have been at one point and i feel like that's what happens when you grieve the loss of loved ones um and the 30p shows that same bird and it's back on the wire but now there's a lot of other birds that are on the wire standing much in the same way and it's positioned in a way that it's it implies that it's aware that other people are going through the same thing and that EP is called Ad Infinitum, which is Latin for, you know, the same way forever. And that's the human experience is, is we, we live, we die and we miss people and people miss us. And that's how it goes forever. And knowing that other people go through that makes it less of, it, it just makes it easier, I think, you know, and then the album is encapsulated as a whole with the with what I think is the most literal allegory of what the bird is, which it shows a, a faceless figure looking down, ripping its chest open, and there is the bird. Because the bird in all of the artwork, to me, it's the part of you that 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 laughs on Christmas Day with your family, and it's the part of you that that grieves deeply when you lose them. Okay, it's awesome. I mean, 
must have been an amazing experience working with Derek and and um, interacting and, and him finally giving you these visual presentations. I mean, what was that like? You know, I mean, because you would have gone into some really interesting conversations with him to get to that place. Oh yeah, um, it's amazing. He's so talented. Um, I remember when I first got the cover for the Bloom EP, which is the one I talked about, about the bird and the tree. I yeah. cried. Yeah. It, it, it all hit me again. And it was like, that's it. Like, that's perfect. That's exactly how the music, that's exactly what I was feeling. That, that the only way I know how to communicate those feelings is through music. And the only way that people like him know how to communicate those things is through art. And the fact that we could all come together to sort of share that human experience to lighten the load a bit. Um, man, it was something. And it's something I think about all the time. And I, I, you know, that's one of the joys of creating music and collaborating with creative people is, um, getting different perspectives on things, you know, and it, it sometimes helps you understand where you're coming from and where your expression is coming from. It helped me to better understand the music to see his artwork. And I know that sounds very strange as somebody who made the music, but it, it, it works that way sometimes, you know? <laughs> oh, man, that is cool, man. I mean, and that's, I mean, the whole thing, you talk about, the, the, these are some quite dark things, but uh, I mean, it's like, you say part of it is that you found that you weren't alone, but you do. I mean, a lot of it is that you start in that place where you do feel alone, if you know what I mean. But uh, yeah. bringing that through, oh, I've lost my train of thought. That, but bringing that through that whole sort of story and and finding that you're human and all that, yeah. You know, I mean, that's something that people are always struggling to find, and that's that important message. And and I guess for me, that's what I'm getting from this, if you know what I mean. Um, it's a journey that, that, you know, people are taking more and more. Do you think, I mean, is this a, a, a positive side to COVID in some ways? Yeah. I mean, do you think this has helped the, the, the world sort of have to start to look at these things and bring us a bit more together? I think it, 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 it made everybody stop. We yeah. live in a world where you don't have the time to necessarily fully dive into those things. Um, and that sort of forced a little bit of a perspective change in a way, you know, and, you know, while the record does deal with a lot of painful things, the entire message of the record is that they're only painful because they are so beautiful because so much of it is so amazing and that's why it hurts and that's why it's painful. And if you can remember that, that the reason why it's so painful is because it's so beautiful at the same time. Like that's where it becomes okay. That, that that's where life is manageable, you know? Well, that's it. I mean, cause it's kind of that shared experience. If you know, I mean, each of us is different, but we all sort of share that same shared experience. It's just a sort of understanding 100%. it. Um, and that's it. I mean, for, yeah, a lot of people, are still struggling to find that place where they understand it. But yeah, um, <laughs> it's getting pretty heavy, dude. Um, so we've only got a few minutes left with you, so I have to touch on a few other things. Um, did you guys get to do any release shows or anything? No, not yet. No, and uh, you guys got tours coming up in the uh, June next year, possibly. Is that where it's at for you guys? Is that how it is? I mean, because it must be pretty difficult um, not getting yeah. out there and playing, man. It's, um, 
It is. It's it's because it's it's that whole aspect of it is a deeply connective experience and 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 we had to sort of find other ways to find that connection, you know. Um yeah, I mean the the soonest shows are in June and I'm hoping that everything goes according to plan. Um and that's I guess all you can do, right? Is is yeah. is just you plan and you hope and we know that, you know, um that no matter what we can go right back to writing songs. Well, that's it. I mean, and, and like you did talk about earlier, I mean, that's the beauty of releasing EPs is it, it does allow you to have a little bit more connectivity with the fans and all that. I mean, I just looked at some of the Facebook comments and everything, and, man, they're just loving this new stuff that you guys are doing. And it's absolutely fantastic to see. I, I love this one comment that I saw. It was, I was once a fan. I'm now an air conditioner. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was that was pretty classic. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. And um, you know, so I mean, that's absolutely fantastic. So, um, getting the formats out there. I mean, you guys have been releasing some really cool formats um, on vinyl and everything. I'm a big vinyl fan. And you know, for all the fans out there, I mean, how much fun is it for you? Do you are you a vinyl collector yourself or anything like that? Um, yeah, I mean, I have my fair share of vinyl. Uh, it's been a while since I've been able to go to a, a record store and, and yeah. go perusing. Um, I love music so much. I'm such a heavy user of like Spotify and the digital stuff. I, I know some people can be uh, almost curmudgeonous about it because of just how awesome it is to hold a vinyl or a CD and have the physical artwork, but just the just the the accessibility now of music and and the fact that it's you don't have to go out of your way to find it anymore if anything it'll bombard your email and bombard you you know yeah. um and as somebody who loves music strictly for the ability to close my eyes and feel something um i think it's all awesome um yeah, but yeah I, I do have a i have enough vinyl to hold my bookshelf in place you know Nice, nice. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of people are loving all the stuff. I mean, like when Revolver did their release of your um your album, it was like sold out instantly. I mean, that that's pretty cool, man. It's it's it, you know, it's it's humbling. Um, I feel like I've I've been at a place where, in the past, it would have made me feel good, or maybe would have like stroked my ego a little bit. But now I just, I feel understood and I feel seen and heard. And as a human being, that's really, really, that's, that's high up on the list of needs, you know, and, and to feel connected with so many people in sharing just the human experience and one that we often don't want to talk about and that's painful to talk about. Um, it really feels good. And, and all of the other stuff that comes with it, you know, the, the success, or lack thereof, or the perception, or the nice comments and things like that. Like that's all just that's all just an added blessing. The fact that we could connect with people and that we could connect people with people, just by sharing ourselves in an honest way and and um, in a very primitive way, in a very just screaming about how you feel. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> uh, it's remarkable how that how healing that can be. You know. Well, that's it. I mean, that's something I've been thinking about through the whole chat that we've had, and, and that's it, is how the whole experience is so cathartic. You know, it's that whole thing that goes back to the, you know, primal scream. You know, it's just that being able to release 
all all of that emotion and all those feelings and that yeah you know, i mean it, it must be such a rewarding experience a lot of people don't do that they build it up inside them i myself i let it build up inside me but you know i know i understand that yeah you know, that release must be so awesome it is because i can't um I don't have the back strength to carry all that around with me. <laughs> you know, that's it, a good way it, to look at it. It, it. it. it will find its way into my life and it won't do good things for it. Yeah, yeah. And so I have to be very cognizant of that, you know? Um, and it's a, it, it's a healthy exercise, you know? Well, that's, and that's one of the beauties of heavy music is that, yeah, it, it is a, a, such a release for those feelings in a nonviolent way. I mean, because that's the importance of it. Everybody has these feelings. It's how you release them, you know, yeah, in a safe 100%. way. A hundred percent. And I can't wait to share in that experience. I can't wait till uh, I can feel a PA under my feet and I can look people in the eyes that are screaming the lyrics back at me that are connecting with the songs. And, you know, can't, I can't wait for that. And until then, I will just do my due diligence in trying to, uh, to write more music and, uh, all of my all of my bandmates will because we are very much all on the same page about the importance of any of this, you know. Oh, mate, that's absolutely brilliant. Well, we've got to knock it on the head, but I've got one last question for you before we let you go. And that is uh, words of advice for young musicians. Um, try not to overthink it. Try to express yourself from a place where you're feeling more than you're thinking. Um, because like I said, your heart and your brain are competing for real estate space, but music speaks to the heart. So try and use that when you're creating it. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the app store or Google play and download the app with the Kiwi fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu people's radio from the list of stations and go find your new favorite show. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. And welcome to Battle 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. Local, national, and international news, interviews, and our latest new releases brought to you by NPR, Battle 2 People's Radio. And for this section, we were lucky enough to talk to Key Marcello from the band Out of This World. He used to be in Europe. He uh, played on one of their biggest albums, which was uh, Out of This World, which was the album straight after the final countdown. So, uh, without further ado, because we've got such a full show, we're not even going to be able to play music around any of these interviews today. Um, we're going to get straight into it, and here is a chat with Key Marcello. G'day, we're talking with Key Marcello from the band Out of This World. They're about to release their debut album, self-titled Out of This World, uh, 14th of January, uh, next year, 2022, that's uh, just over a month away. Uh, is that right, Keith? Hey, how you doing, man? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I mean, we released it in Japan over there in April, and uh, uh, we knew about this 
new formed, newly formed label uh, back then. I mean, it was number one in Japan, but we chose to wait for Atomic Fire to get their stuff together, you know. So we knew we had to wait for uh, nine months before we could give birth to this darling for the rest of the world. But I think it's worth it. We, we're in, at the right label for us right now. Oh, no, that's absolutely fantastic to hear. And I did have a little bit of a, a browse, and I was um, saw that you guys did a little bit of crowdfunding and ha had a little bit of an early release, like you say, in Japan, and I saw the stats were fantastic, mate, number one over there and everything. I mean, that must yeah. have been a, a pr pretty, made you pretty happy. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was amazing. I mean, we knew that Japan was going to be a strong market for us since, I mean, uh, Tommy's past with Fair Warning, they had a beautiful career over there. And, I mean, Europe, of course, we had an amazing following in Japan. Um, and we got offers from uh, two or three labels, but obviously we chose JVC Victor. I mean, I worked with them when I was in Europe. And and since as well on different projects so it felt like the home label for us and they did an amazing job and you know we pretty much dominated the album charts there this spring so we couldn't have done any better i mean we could have gone there on tour but then there's covid and what can <laughs> you do about it you know <laughs> yeah well that's exactly it so you guys are releasing a, a cd and a vinyl um release could you tell us a little bit about the differences because i understand one's got some live tracks and another's got some other live tracks yeah okay so uh are we talking about the january release now right the uh, atomic yeah yeah the atomic yes hello uh have we still got you there yeah, yeah, you were breaking up for a second, but now I'll hear you again. You're back. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Yeah. Uh, hey, so could you tell us a little bit about the formats and everything? Um, yeah, both the – you can actually tell us a little bit about the early one too because I saw there were some really cool formats there that you had. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the original idea was actually to uh, just go for a crowdfunding thing and see where that led. But – while doing that, we got a lot of interest from, from labels in, in uh, Japan. So that led to the JVC contract. But the original idea, as I told you, was to, to uh, you know, do the crowdfunding thing and, and, and uh, deal directly with the fans, which is a thing that a lot of people do nowadays. And we had um, this, you know, uh, studio album with 10 new tracks and uh, we had also the only gig we ever did together as a matter of fact at the <laughs> festival in Ludwigsburg and we mixed it and it turned out great and and that's that's called light uh, live from the heat and um, from Ludwigsburg uh, the first time we first and only time so far we played together in this lineup uh, and um, it's funny, this is also when the band was born, because a couple of days prior to the festival in Germany, we all met up in, in the studio uh, in Gothenburg, Sweden, to rehearse. 
and as everything with this band, it seemed to be easy as pie. I mean, we got the tracks, we, we had a plan, we came in, we rehearsed, and everybody were well prepared in good time before this. So we just played through the songs a couple of times and we were almost finished, you know? You know, sometimes it feels like you, you don't have to rehearse anymore. So I had three, three new, newly written songs from my studio at home that I brought, MP3s basically. I, bo- I brought them to the studio and said, hey guys, I got some new music. Do you want to listen to it? And let's see if we can cut some tracks or, or whatnot. And we'll listen to it and they, yeah, let's do this. So before the night was over, we had the basic recordings for three tracks. It was Twilight, Lighting Up My Dark, and In A, Mil- In a Million Years. Uh, and that also was really smooth. And then we finished off these three tracks. Mind you, this is before the first game we have in May. But I think then and there was when the band was born, although we didn't have the band name yet, but that was the actual moment when the band was born because everything was so effortless. We just worked really well together. And the rest of the production was pretty much the same thing. You know, songs were just, you know, squirting out of me basically i was in a in a state of uh, a lot of inspiration and i also had a lot of time on my hands because of covid so uh, yeah. it took took more or less no time to write this album you know which i did uh almost all of it for this time i mean in the future i'm sure tom is gonna get more involved in the songwriting but this time it turned out that way uh so Sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> well, well, that was way right back on the. Um, we were talking about the CD and the um, the vinyl formats and everything, and which you've covered quite nicely because you've told us about all the things that are on there. I mean, how much fun is it getting to um, play with things like coloured vinyl and all that sort of stuff? It must be fun getting to be able to put out these special um, different colours or different things, the, the variants that you get to do nowadays. Oh, I love it, and and you know, and I love the uh, the amazing availability in colors. I mean, you can do almost anything nowadays. It wasn't like that back in the days. I mean, I'm so old. I was actually uh, doing vinyls when it was a thing, when it, it was the thing, I should say, and uh, you didn't have the the opportunities. I remember doing we were doing with Easy Action and with uh, Europe, we're doing lime green and perhaps pink. But nowadays you can get ocean greens and all kinds all kinds of nuances that weren't just weren't available back then. So now you can really play around with the coloring and, and the fans love it. And to be quite frank, during the crowdfunding, a lot of fans bought all four colors because as collector's items, you know, so it's it's not only music; it's like a collector's item as well. So I mean, yeah, hail vinyl! I love it. <laughs> oh, it's awesome! <laughs> eh? I mean, I'm a little bit of a collector myself, and you know, it, it just makes it so much more interesting. And back in the days, like you say, I mean, like things like picture discs and all that. I mean, they were cool to be collectible, but you couldn't listen to them. Nowadays, no. the quality 
is that you can now listen to them. So you can get a piece and it can be a collector's item, but you can still listen to it. And that, that gives you both sides of it, if you know what I mean. I mean it's just, yeah. you know, killing sure. the candy store. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, man, that's absolutely brilliant. So um, could you tell us a little bit about who's, who the um, band is that um, have joined you for the album and, and some of the guests that you've got on there because you've got a, some pretty awesome musicians that you're involved with plus the guests? Yeah, yeah. First of all, the rhythm section, Dar Bittad playing the drums and Ken Sandin playing the bass, uh, they were already in my solo band, in Key Marcello band. So we played together and, and did hundreds of gigs already. So we know each other, so to say. And, and me and Tommy worked on a different project together called Key of Hearts uh, with yeah. some other musicians. And that's where we sort of found each other, me and Tommy. And uh, as it happened, the first time all the four of us met was at, at a festival in Milan in Italy, Milano, uh, where uh, I was playing a festival with the Key Marcello band. And Tommy was there promoting some other stuff I can't remember right now. And we all, the, all the four of us got to hang for two days. And this is really crucial for uh, the, the feeling in the band. When you get to hang and talk about music and experiences and, and where you want to go with your music and all that. We had two, maybe three full days doing that uh, at a hotel in Milano, and we loved it. Uh, uh, and that's where it all got started in a way. And, and as I mentioned earlier, the band was born when we rehearsed for that only gig we did for the recording of the live album and all that. And, and Tommy Hart, uh, I don't know how uh, famous he is in Australia or if at all, but he was—he used to be the lead vocalist in a band called Fair Warning, and they were really big in in uh, in the EU and in Japan, mostly I would say. And they had they started. It's a melodic rock band, melodic metal band, but they started like on the very beginning of grunge. So a lot of people missed them, you know. Uh, so, but great band, and as I said doing big arenas in Japan for uh, a, a lot of years, a beautiful career in, in Southeast Asia. Uh, Darby Todd, amazing drummer. I mean, he played with Gary Moore, and and uh, he was in the darkness for a bit, if, if you know that band. Uh, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I can't... I mean, he played with a lot of people, really accomplished drummer my favorite drummer i mean i i try to get him on everything i do um <laughs> that's awesome man it's it's awesome very, very best and and you know ken sandin and me we go way back i mean he started we started playing together in 2003 it's a pity it's not here he's always correcting me is it 2003 or 2004 i can't remember but since then we've been <laughs> inseparable you know we we do everything together as well so it's it's like oh, family, man, that's and and, uh, and I have to mention that that Ken comes from the band Alien, the Swedish band, which was doing really well in the eighties and nineties. It still exists actually uh, here in Scandinavia and Japan. 
but you also one of the first Swedish melodic rock bands to get uh, a Swedish Swedish rock bands in general to get a uh, contract with a major label, a US major label, you know. The first one, the very first one be, being Easy Action, my band actually, that we were, were the first ones to get to get a, a US major label deal back in 1983, I think. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's taking time, mate. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the things, I mean, I loved um, listening to Tommy um, on this album, and, and, it, and it took me way back to that era that you're actually talking about that in, yeah. in the 80s. You know, it just was such a trip back there, and um, <laughs> it was pretty awesome. I really enjoyed it. I mean, those were, I was 13 and 14 in those days, and, you know, that was my era of hard rock, and then, of course, grunge came in in 91 and all that sort of carry on. Don't need to get into that. But, yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I really enjoyed about this particular album. Um uh, getting back to the album, um, how far back was this written? I mean, like you say, the first releases were back in April. So how far back was this written? Uh, 2020 or? Yeah, I mean, it was it was uh, most of it, except the three first tracks. They were written earlier, but most of it was written during 2020 in, in midst of pandemic. You know, when I basically I was in isolation. Uh, here in my studio, I have my studio in my house, and I don't live in the city, so it's kind of isolated out here. It's almost like when I was down in the kitchen to pick up a cup of coffee, and I saw the mailman. I was doing the wave. That's how isolated <laughs> I was, you know. So, oh, which no. a lot of it's bad, but it, it, the good side of it, it gives you a lot, of, a lot of time on your hands, and you can sit here and and not be distracted. I would turn the phone off. And I would I would just work my ass off because I was in I was on a roll, I was on a creative roll, and it, it stuff just happened because I was inspired by the fact that we had this beautiful band together and everything was sinking. We were working together, so it, it was easy as pie. So the songs just kept coming, you know, one after another. And then of course we had recorded the, the COVID way. I mean, I sit in Gothenburg. I, I make the basics. Then uh, we all we all actually had two opportunities to meet up in Gothenburg to do the basics, drums and bass in the studio here, which was crucial, you know. Uh, and uh, then I, taught, I finished the keyboards and, and and guitars in my studio at home here in Gothenburg. Uh, and Ken in his studio in his home in Gothenburg, and and Tommy his vocals in Berlin, Germany. Uh, so, uh, and we had the the great opportunity to get Don Airy from uh, Deep Purple to to play on four tracks on the album, which was awesome. I known Don for a long time. I mean, the first time I met him was when we met backstage at the Hammersmith Odeon in 1987, I believe it was. We, we played double nights there with Europe, Friday, Saturday, and he showed up at the meeting with Neil Murray, the bass player from Whitesnake, their friends. And, and I knew Neil from before, and that was the first time I met Don, and I'm a huge fan. I loved his work with Coliseum 2, 
with Gary Moore playing the guitar and um well pretty much everything he's done. I mean Ozzy and all that. Uh great musician. And of course everything is done in, in Deep Purple. And we talked about we played we had an opportunity to play on a couple of occasions and we talked about doing something together but never really got it to you know to to work time wise. So when I had these tracks, you know, um, almost ready, I gave him a call and I said, you know, I think I got something that's right up your alley. And I sent him three or four tracks and he said, fuck yeah, let's do this. So uh, he recorded his stuff in his studio at home. He was obviously in isolation as well. And uh, so he plays on four tracks on the album. I'm really happy about this. Oh man, that's a trip, man. That's really cool. So, um, you talk about, I mean, like a lot of this was uh, written by yourself and all that, and the, the other guys had uh, some input, but very little at this point. I mean, look, moving forward, you must be looking forward to expanding on that for the next time. Hopefully, it'll be post COVID and you get to actually hang out together properly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Right now, we've been trying to get together to, you know, film a video for the next single. But it's not easy right now. They're changing the COVID rules from day to day, basically. I know Darby is in Spain right now, working in a studio. And while he was there with his wife, and while he was there, they suddenly changed the rules in Britain. The COVID rules. So now it looks like he's going to be in quarantine when he gets back. You know, it's messed up. This shit changes. (laughs) And we're planning to do, um, to shoot a video uh, the 19th through the 21st of December, right before Christmas, uh, in Prague, in Czech Republic. Uh, We're all planning, we're planning to do that. But, uh, the rules are changing, and I might be facing quarantine when I, you know, being two weeks in quarantine when I come back from, for from Prague, or even worse, being in quarantine there, which makes, you know, which makes me miss Christmas. And that wouldn't be worth it. So we're struggling to 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 get to a point where we actually can meet and do this video. Hopefully, this new uh, Omicron variation of the virus is a bit milder that's what a lot of people think anyway uh, so uh you know during the course of 2022 it's it's going to lighten up considerably i definitely think we can play the coming summer the festivals oh mate, that would be absolutely brilliant i mean and that was what i was going to ask you about i mean getting to play a release show must be absolute nightmare and you're, and you're basically said about that right now I mean, yeah. hopefully next uh, for the summer over there you can get some some uh, european tour and at least i mean it must be a nightmare yeah 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 it is definitely and i mean uh, we, we've been dying to go to japan but uh, the covid regulations have pretty constantly been uh, not in our favor, so to speak. So far, since we released the album, no fo- no foreign bands have been touring in Japan at all. So we just have to wait 
for the regulations to lighten up over there before we can go to Japan. Because that would be a no-brainer. I mean, our album was dominating the album charts this entire spring, you know. So as soon as possible, we want to go to Japan. And while at it, we go to New Zealand and Australia. It's not so far away. Oh, mate, we'd love to have you down here, mate. It would absolutely kick ass, man. And I bet you there's a heap of fans that would love a night out with you guys, mate. It would be absolutely killer. Awesome. Yeah. Definitely looking into that. That would be great. Oh, mate, that would be absolutely fantastic, mate. Um, I've only got a few minutes left with you uh, before your next interview, so I better. Um, I've got one last question for you before we let you go. Um uh, I mean, dude, you've spent so many years with so many different bands and you've done so much, um, even solo stuff over the years. Uh, what would be one uh, word of advice that you could give to uh, young musicians out there? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, uh, my advice would be to be really stubborn, you know, to never give up. And never give up. You give up on your music. I mean, I know a lot of heads of A&Rs at, at major labels all over the world, you know, they've been telling me for decades, Key, you're an amazing songwriter, um, but the kind of music you do, it's just impossible to sell it. And, you know, only this year I had a hit all over Europe. And, you know, I was even competing with pop artists like Ed Sheeran and and, and, and them, you know. Uh, with a song called Don't Miss You Much, which tells me there's an unmet need out there. A lot of people like melodic rock, and, and, and the, 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 the labels don't really know how to sell it. They don't, they don't know how to do their jobs. It's as easy as that. And so my advice to all young musicians, just do, your, do the music you love and don't give a fuck about what anybody else says. Oh, mate, it couldn't be said better, mate. That's absolutely fantastic, mate. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. G'day and welcome to Battle 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. Local, national and international news, interviews and uh, the latest new releases brought to you by NPR, Battle of Two Peoples Radio. G'day and welcome to Metal to Metal, Metalheads Radio. This week we're lucky enough to talk to two legends. We have Igor Cavalieris, um, the son of Max Cavalieris and his new band Go Ahead and Die. And next we also have a interview with Gilby Clark from Guns N' Roses. That's a big name. 
so we chat to him yeah, absolutely fantastic talk um, and then we'll play some New Zealand music for the rest of the show since it is New Zealand Metal Month so without further ado we're going to get into a track from Go Ahead and Die uh, the track uh, truck full, uh, Truckload Full of Bodies uh, then we will have our interview with Igor and into another track Toxic Freedom
Today we're talking with Igor Cavalera from the band Go Ahead and Die, uh, not to be confused with the brother of Max, but he's actually the son of um, famous metal musician Max Cavalera. How are you going today, Igor? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> oh, absolute pleasure, mate. So you've got about a, just about a month before um, the new album comes out, or the debut album of Go Ahead and Die. You must be getting excited. Uh, most certainly. Each day that gets closer, uh, you know, you get a little more excited, a little bit nervous at the same time. Um, but no, everything's going really smooth, and uh, you know, all the all the press is going well, the reactions are going well, and everything. So I'm really happy with how it's come along. Well, that's right. I mean, you've released a few singles so far. I mean, you must be getting some pretty good attention from those. Yeah, they're doing good. Uh, both Truckload and uh, Toxic Freedom uh, each got really good, uh, really good reactions. You know, a uh, l- little bit of shock to some people, I think, but that's a good thing. You know, especially with the extreme music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, but that's what you play, mate. I mean, that's it. Um, could you tell us a little bit about the um, album cover and, and the circle logo? Oh uh, well, well, the uh, that circular logo. <laughs> excuse me was uh, actually done by Jeff Walker of Carcass, which was amazing um, that he was willing to do it. And um, the fact that uh, he did it without us asking, he actually, I think he caught wind of the band, and um, I think someone in Nuclear Blast did some shadow work and made that happen. But um, he actually made the logo, so that was really cool, uh, really humbling, you know, re- really, uh, for me, I've always been a fan of Carcass and stuff like that, so to have him do the logo was really crazy. Um, otherwise, the cover was done by an artist named Stuart Easton. He's uh, almost kind of like a comic book artist, I guess you could say. Uh, that's sort of his style, is that like heavy, heavy, heavy black line with with white designs and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, cover's really cool. I think it fits the music. I think it, it sums up the uh, the aggression and frustration and, and madness that is on the record. Um, you know, I, I think it's all—it's a good package. You know, you put the logo with the cover and the music and all of it together, and you got this really awesome thing. Oh, damn straight! It's an absolutely brilliant project. I mean, I've been lucky enough to have an advance listen to the whole album, and dude, it's absolutely killer, mate. Absolutely, <laughs> Thank you. Bloody, absolutely brilliant, mate. Now I was gonna ask you. I mean, this, this would be probably your first major collaboration with your dad. Uh yeah, definitely. You know, um. Growing up, we've always, you know, had some fun playing songs around the house. Um, even at one time, I uh, filled in. I did a couple shows for Soulfly on bass. Um, so we've jammed before, but this was definitely the first time that we made songs from scratch and, and made a band from scratch. You know, made, made it from from nothing to what it is now, and uh, it was a really cool experience. You know, we both got to collaborate, bring our own ideas to the table. You know, have fun with the freedom of the music and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, all in all, the the process working with my father was was really cool. You know, he was really uh, really understanding. Uh, he had some good wisdom to impart, and I think I even maybe taught him a couple of things that he might have never thought of. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome! I mean, it must have been pretty special. I mean, you would have grown up around all these things. I mean, for for us plebs, I mean, it was it'd be mind blowing. But I mean, you've grown up around uh, your dad and and all the scene and everything for so long. I mean, but to be part of it and and be able to do something. I mean, I mean, with his timetable, it must be almost a nightmare trying to be able to find time to do something like this. 
Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that. You know, a lot, a lot of people have asked, uh, you know, what, what, you know, how was this band born? How was it created? Whatever. And uh, it, it's funny because COVID, um, despite all of the, the horrible things that accompanied the pandemic, um, it did tie my dad down for a little while and it did keep him at home for a little while and uh, it kept him off the road for a little while. So it, it actually, in a, in a weird way, you know, it gave us the time to do this record. It, it gave us the freedom and the, the, the space and everything we needed, you know, because like you said, his, his schedule is crazy, you know, being he's already in four bands, um, you know, play, playing different albums, this and that, you know, eight, nine months out of the year. Um, we probably wouldn't have been able to do this band if not for the, for the virus. So, I, you know, in, in a weird way, it, it was like a silver lining. <laughs> the blessing in disguise got lucky. <laughs> oh, man, I mean, and that's I mean, it must have been absolutely special. And, and I mean, and, and talking to I've talked to your dad a few times, and I also talked to other bandmates of his, you know, and, and talking to them about how he works and everything. I mean, he really gets involved in it, and, and it's not, I mean, it seems to be a pretty organic experience. I mean, do you get that as well? I mean, like, it doesn't seem to be a, a, a paint by numbers or anything like that. There's no file swapping so to speak i mean talking to greg from killer me killed and that and um troy and they sort of talked about how you know when they got together they um you know that was the only time they kind of wrote i mean is it a similar thing here yeah no it's certainly an organic uh you know natural process writing with him um with this band it, it was actually really cool because he uh you know, I, I don't want to go as far as to say he took the back seat. Uh, he certainly did come up with ideas and stuff, but um, he definitely let me have some of the creative control and let me have some of the the songwriting duties and, and lyric writing duty, duties and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, it was cool because he, he made it natural. You know, he didn't try to impose himself. Um, you know, he didn't, he didn't try to use his... Uh, his iconic status or anything to uh, to get his way or anything like that. You know, he was actually just really understanding. And uh, anytime I had an idea, he was really supportive. And, and if I ever uh, wasn't feeling anything, he was, you know, he's open-minded about changing it or, or doing something so that everyone's happy. Um, so, yeah, all in all, it, it really was natural. We Basically, we would just uh, wake up every day and and work on that song for the day and you know depending on what we're listening to or what we were watching or uh maybe something we saw on the news or on social media that that would influence the song and um you know it was really cool because it, it came out so uh so fluid and so so comfortable feeling you know it wasn't the songs weren't forced they weren't uh you, you know there, there was no uh there's no, uh, you know, dislike on the record from my end. You know, I like everything on it, and uh, I feel like I had a lot of freedom, and it was it was totally fun to work with him. Oh man, I can only imagine it would have been killer. Um, so talking talking a little bit about how you said you were, you know, seeing things and all that um, was some of your inspiration. Um, what was some <laughs> of your lyrical inspirations? I mean, because I mean, it was a pretty rough time. I mean, I assume this was all written last year. Yeah, we, we wrote all of it um, like right in the middle of being quarantined and everything shutting down. And, um, you know, last year for, for us Americans, it was an election year. It was, uh, you know, nuts getting the little orange man out of there. 
um, you know, it, it rose a lot of tensions in the country and and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so the 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 album definitely reflects some of these issues we've been dealing with, you know, political corruption, police brutality, uh, things like that, you know. Um, but what what I really like about it, what I what I think is really cool about the record is, um, you know, while we're talking about current events and, and crisis and things going on right now, um, they're kind of timeless in a way because there, the, you know, there was bands writing about similar things in the 90s, in the 80s, as far back as the 70s, you know, early punk rock stuff. Um, you know, it had a lot of this social awareness and, and, you know, lyrical stuff about equality and tolerance and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it was always really cool to me that we, we wrote this record nowadays in it, but it has that edge of timelessness that it, it, if this had been written in the 80s, it could have been, you know, it, it's it's almost believable because these issues that were, uh, I guess you could say, mentioning and, and, and bringing to light and talking about in the songs, um, they're, they're current issues, but they've also been going on for a long time. So it, it's just cool to me that connection between like the, the old school punk rock and thrash and stuff to what we're doing nowadays. You know, it, it's it's in a way it's almost like we're still carrying that um carrying that torch for for those older bands in, in earlier generations of music yeah i i think that's one of the beauties of heavy music is that um yeah i mean we, we've become i mean i think even more so nowadays more socially aware um and especially with our messages that we get out um as metalheads i mean because we've always been quite passionate people and people sort of it's always thought of us as angry people, but well, we are to an extent. But it's a righteous anger, yeah. You know, oh, totally. It's it's directed, uh, directed chaos and and uh, and productive anger and stuff like that. You you know, you take this frustration, um, you know, you you take these feelings, feelings of being upset, and and do something with it. And um, you know, my my only goal by by doing that and writing about stuff like this is to. Uh, inspire people and, and bring awareness to people and get other people involved and and uh you know just just support struggling people in in just struggling countries and things like that um because like once again you know like i said these are these are things for for us americans that we were dealing with but um you know things like police brutality homelessness stuff like that that we're talking about on the record these are global issues and and timeless issues so um, yeah, you know, like you said, we're very passionate. You know, we have a ton, ton, ton of feeling and heart and everything uh, behind it. Um, you know, my, myself included. And I think it should be no surprise that these are, you know, my father's views. He wrote uh, "Primitive," which said "F all you politics" and uh, "Refuse resist" and stuff like that. You know, so he's no stranger to to voicing his opinions. And uh, when it came time to work on stuff together, I. I felt that we should do the same, you know, should be in that vein um, of, of those old school bands. And then even of his own stuff like Nailbomb and, and, and that era of, of his music was very uh, politically driven. So um, we are passionate people. We, we try to keep our ear to the ground and, and pay attention to things going on in the world and, and, you know, do something with it, bring awareness to it, uh, spread it like wildfire so people can hear and know and, and look into it and educate themselves. Oh, damn straight, mate. And that's it. I mean, you know, a lot of people look at metalheads and think of us as being a bit dumb or whatever. But, dude, we're not. And we're not blind. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> and we're accepting, <laughs> too. 
very, very. And, and that's it. I mean, you know, and the tolerance is growing. That's what I, one of the things that I've loved watching is, is our metalheads, metalheads have grown in their tolerance of different things and different people. I mean, it's absolutely brilliant. You know, we're very, very lucky. Um, and we've got the music to go with it. <laughs> it's absolutely yeah. cool. No, of course. Yeah, no, of course. It's, I think it's a good thing. You know, it's not, it's not going to hurt. It's not going to hurt anyone to, to write about this stuff and bring awareness to it. So, so we should do everything we can. Oh, it's incredibly important, especially in nowadays. I mean, you just see the, the, the global epidemic of um, depression and anxiety and all these other mental health issues that people are having, and, and people need to find uh, ways to express themselves and release these thing, feelings that they're having and all this negativity. And that's where metal comes in for a lot of people. <laughs> uh, that's I, just that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's the best... Uh, you know, for me, listen, listening to metal is a is a great way to to deal with, uh, you know, feelings, frustrations, things like that. Uh, and then playing it is even greater, in my opinion. Um, something about you know warming up the amp and uh, just cranking my guitar super loud and and uh, writing about feelings and stuff that I'm currently having. It, it just I don't know how to explain it. It, it helps it go away. You know, it it helps it be less heavy on me and, and less of uh you know less stress, less anxiety. You know, we all have these things, um, no matter what your background is and stuff. And uh, music is is one of the healthiest, best ways to deal with it, in my opinion. Oh, I agree, one hundred percent, mate. The the release from music and, and it doesn't have to just be heavy music, but heavy music is really good for it. <laughs> you know, it it's um yeah. Music is such a, a blessing. It's unbelievable. I mean, I'm sure we could talk about that for hours. Um, <laughs> Definitely. We haven't got all that long. So um, uh, how does the music come to you? Um, how do you – how does the music um, – do you hear music? Do you see music? Um, how, how, do you understand the question? How, how does the music come to you? Um, is it you, you walk along and you, you hear a tune or do you see things and some lyrics popping? How does the music come to you personally? Um, a couple of different ways. Uh, you know, obviously, sometimes a riff will just pop into my head, you know. I'll be, uh, I guess you could say, while I'm driving or something, maybe I'm thinking about playing guitar or playing a riff or something, and, uh, you know, a lot of it will just come that way, just, just thinking about it. And, uh, you know, obviously other ways are, are getting influence from other bands. Sometimes you hear a song and you're like, oh, I kind of want to do something to, to that tempo, but I'm going to write my own riff to go to it or, you know, something like that. Um, you know, so so influence from other music is is really important. You know, if you want to write good music, listen to good music. Um, you know, and then uh, other times I'll just just practicing, just playing guitar. You know, just uh, I try to play every day if I can. Um, so so plenty of riffs will just like a lightning bolt right there in the spot. You know, just just uh, come out as I'm playing. And uh, with with go ahead and die, it was it was very much a, a process of that. Um, we would have a, uh, maybe a general idea of a song. Like I said, maybe we woke up and we were listening to Discharge that day, so we were like, let's write a total a punk ripper song, you know? Um, and then that's how it would come out, you know? And that, that's what's so cool about it, you know, is we didn't really set limits and we didn't really uh, put any type of restraint or, or, or pressure or anything like that. It was, it was just really uh, from the heart and soul type thing of, okay, that's what we want to make. Let's go make some of it right now. Oh, mate, that's absolutely killer. And, and it comes through so well. It's an awesome album, mate. Absolutely brilliant. Um, loving every song on it. 
Um, Thank you. What would, what would be your favorite song or the song that you're most proud of on there? Um, I really like, uh, I'll list a couple of them. I really like Toxic Freedom, which has been the second single so far. Um, I just, I really like the riffs of it, the the performance, um, the the vocals. I, f- I feel like it's one of the better songs I've, I've actually ever done, um, screaming-wise and things like that. It's got just such ferocity vocally and stuff that I'm, I'm really proud of it. Um, otherwise, I, I really like uh, Prophet's Prey, which is like towards the middle of the album. Um, that's kind of like a, a mid-tempo, um, crusty, grimy type song um, with a really weird uh, ambient like middle part, which is really out of left wing on the album because it is such an extreme uh, caveman type record. You know, it, it's it's very beat down, but um, I was really proud of Prophet's Prey because it has like this totally tripped out uh, middle part that's really uh, really like off the wall and ambient almost. Um, and then another one I really like is the the title track, "Go Ahead and Die." Um, it's I don't know, it's just catchy. It, it, it sticks in your head. It's it's got a lot of really fun little guitar noodles and, and stuff like that that we do on it. Um, so yeah, I like it. And all three of those have have cool lyrics and stuff like that. They're all three um, definitely songs I'm really proud of. They have a good composition and. Um, yeah, the structure of them is really sound and stuff. So the those are three that I really dig. Oh, mate, that's absolutely brilliant. Well, we're starting to run out of time, so I've got two more questions for you before we let you go. Um, yeah, first no off, getting out on the road, are you going to be able to get out and do a release show or anything like that? Uh, we would very much like to. Uh, the situation in uh, America is pretty rough for shows at the moment, um, so I I don't know if you'll see one as soon as next month, but you might see uh, possibly a digital show or something like that. Um, and then in terms of in the future, uh, we would very much like to to take this band on the road. Um, it's, it's definitely in the cards, uh, you know, just obviously with the pandemic and everything, um, booking shows is, is, is like rolling dice right now, you know. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Um, but... As soon as things are more stable and shows seem to be a little more, um, you know, uh, certified and guaranteed to happen, um, I, I'm sure you'll see Go Ahead and Die. We, the, you know, this record is so old school. It's got to be played live. <laughs> oh, it definitely does. Well, New Zealand's opened up for business, so we'd love to have you down. <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, I, I actually, I get, uh, I get my vaccination tomorrow, so... Uh, Pretty soon, I, I should be able to, uh, you know, get out there a little bit more, get out of quarantine. It's it's been a long time. <laughs> I can imagine, mate. Well, we'd love to have you down here at any stage, mate. <laughs> we'd absolutely love Definitely. to. Definitely, no, we we would love to as well. I can promise that. <laughs> I can imagine. Okay, one last question for you before we go, and that is uh, words of advice for young musicians. I just honestly, I know it sounds cheesy, but keep doing it. Um, it's it's really easy to be self-conscious and, and beat yourself up when you're young. And uh, I can say it, I started touring when I was 15. Um, sometimes it feels like the whole world is against you. And, uh, you know, you, you can get beat up about if you're good enough and if you're this and that, if you're going to make it or whatever. And, uh, you know, if I could go back and tell my 15-year-old self not to care about any of that stuff, just play your music and, and just keep going, just, just don't stop. Uh, that's what I would do because that's the most important thing. If you if you keep doing it, you will get good at it. If you keep doing it, 
you will get somewhere with it. And, and um, you know, I, I always tell people that I, I have friends who play music and I constantly will just text them once in a while and be like, hey, man, keep playing your guitar or your drums or whatever it is. Just keep doing it no matter what. you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. 
support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. G'day and welcome to Battle 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. Local, national and international news, interviews and the latest new releases brought to you by NPR, Battle of Two People's Radio. G'day and welcome to Metal 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio and it's not working. Dom. G'day and welcome to Metal 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. This week we were lucky enough to chat with Bill Steer from the band Carcass. We also have a chat with Booger Beasley from the band Head Like a Hole. And we'll finish off with some other Kiwi metal goodness. Uh, first off though, we're going to kick off um, with a new track from Booger Beasley and the Boys. We're going to have the latest track from them. We're going to have the track Demons. Um, and then we'll get straight into the interview with Booger. Enjoy. <laughs> Demons, demons. 
Watch demons set them free. Show us who you die be. Come on, then try getting me. But your demons, demons won't let you be. G'day, we're talking with Booger Beasley from the mighty Head Like a Hole. They've just released their newest single today, Demons. How are you going today, Booger? Good, Terry, good. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, so, you've gone into the studio and um, recorded Demons, and have you, have you recorded anything else while you were there? Yeah, we did too. We did Demons in this other track called Goliath. Uh, and, and that's it, really. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, we could do a record, but two's a good, you know, dip your feet in the water. Excellent. So, could you tell us a little bit about this track, Demons, um, uh, lyrical content, etc.? Okay. So, when we came up with Demons, it was just something that Andrew Ash and the guitar riff that he was just mucking around with, you know, it wasn't anything great, you know. Um, but I, I liked it, you know, and I, but it just sort of came into my head, this, these lyrics, and I thought to myself, where did those lyrics come from? They're not mine. And I realised that there's this woman called Bridget Power, like a, like a whole fan, and she had sent me a few poems just out of the blue, randomly, you know, like, hey dude, thought you might want to read these, and I went through them, and, you know, nothing really stood out for me. I'm not a I'm not into poetry. Um, even though I'm a lyricist, I don't actually read books that often, which sounds sort of mental. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm more of a visual person. Fair um, enough. And anyway, I was like, just just hold hold the guitar there for a minute. I'm just going to go through my emails. And I went through the emails, and I found this poem from Bridget, and it was called Demons. And it just fit the guitar perfectly you know and it was like a yeah, it was just one of those moments and I thought shall I use them and um, so I said you know the, the lyrics are from a fan and to be fair Andrew wasn't really into it to begin with but you know they fit and they sound rad you know so that's how I just wrote the chorus myself but all the other words belong to this woman Bridget Pound. oh mate that's absolutely awesome mate I mean I bet she was shuffed yeah, I mean, I think it's rare that I'd be able to say that a fan has written basically a song. And it was from a period of her life where she had a very difficult um, breakup, uh, quite a full-on time in her life, and she wrote that at that point. So then to hear it put over music, she was totally blown away. Yeah, oh man! I mean, yeah. I mean, as a writer, she would just be blown away to uh, to have even somebody to read it and and sort of say, "Oh, yeah, this is cool." But let alone put it to music. Yeah, I mean, dude, that's yeah. just gonna be you know, something really, really special. Oh man, that, that, that's cool, man. And and so um, going in and, and writing and re- uh, sorry, the recording and everything. I mean, what was it like getting back into the studio? Because it's been a fair while for you guys. Oh yeah, it's been like four years. I mean, that's the last time we recorded was in life. That was at the Depot of Sound as well. But it, this time around, it was with Neil Baldock, and he's the engineer that did "Hello, Four, You're gonna kiss it or shoot it." 
it was good, you know, basically tying in with him again because he's, he's a bloody awesome engineer, you know. When you've got someone that knows how to record and mix a band to the point where mastering's basically... It's just the icing on the cake, you know. Just a few little tweaks. It's basically done. Uh, it was it was awesome. And, um, I mean, ultimately I wanted to go into Roundhead because I'd been there doing the Reservoir Dogs, uh, Pulp Fiction gig, you know, of Liberty Stage. And being in Roundhead was was super cool. And I thought, you know, just imagine if we went to Roundhead and recorded, it'd be a great room for the drums and that. But in the end, it boiled down to we don't really know the people that are going to be twiddling the knobs. And we were confident that we could get a good sound from the depot with Neil, you know. And it's always rad going into the studio you know, when you haven't done it for years, it's like, what, what, what are we doing? You know, we need more music. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's it. I mean, there'll be a lot of people that'll be excited by this new track and be uh, screaming out for more blood, so to speak. Yeah, I reckon. I mean, if I'd be wrapped to say that we have an album, but as yet we don't. It's just it's a difficult period, you know, along with the COVID and stuff like that I mean that's made it extremely difficult but we've sort of struggled with you know just getting everyone together at the right time and you know everyone being in the right frame of mind to to get music written because at this point in our career I just don't want to release anything that's rubbish you know yeah yeah oh well that's it I mean you know it's important to have that uh, that credibility and all that sort of integrity, etc. When it comes to your music, um, you, you say you've got another track um, recorded. Are you going to be releasing that at some stage soon, or um, is that just going to be waiting yeah, in the wings? Yeah, I think we're going to follow up Demons pretty swift, eh? With, yep. With the song Goliath, I just we were going to release it. You know, everyone releases singles off an album, and we don't have an album. So we thought, hey, let's release a double, <laughs> a single, and we'll just call it a double and release them both at the same time. But from from a radio, you know, from a radio perspective, and possibly, you know, people that manage your digital stuff, I just had advice. They were like, look, you know, this is going to complicate things you're pitching two songs at the same time to a radio station or or throwing it out to the punters at the same time it it could be a little bit confusing and why don't you just do one sort of one after the other bang bang sort of within two weeks so so we're going to do that you know probably release it on vinyl as a 45 you know one song on each side oh mate that'd be killer it would be killer but Unfortunately, the pressing plant in Auckland, their 45 machine is down, and I don't know when it will be fixed. I think it's something to do with parts, and they can't get the parts in due to COVID. So I might have to go overseas, you know, go over to Melbourne and get someone to do it there, but you do it on vinyl, it'll be good. Oh, hell yeah, mate. Uh, oh, we love um, vinyl. It seems to be the um, the flavour of the month, so to speak, or yeah. flavour of the year. Yeah. Well, but... everyone's running, you know, 33s, eh? You know, full LP. Um, you don't see little 45s much anymore. No, that's it, eh? I mean, it's cool to get your hands on one. <laughs> it's quite a treat. Oh, yeah, so I, I was lucky enough to have a listen to the um, first track 
Demons a few weeks back, and I also got to listen to Goliath, so I am privy to these both songs. And I think um, the, the um, when I first talked to you about it, I, I was sort of like uh, sort of mentioned that I thought it was quite different, the Goliath track. And um, I, I've sort of been struggling with it for a while and trying to work out what was going on there. And I think it came down to the fact that. Um, Demons is such a strong strong song, and I think it was just that contrast that blew my mind. But the thing is, that Goliath has grown on me so much since then. <laughs> and um, yeah, and that's it. I mean, in itself, it's it's a very very cool track as well. Um, I think it was just for I was foreshadowed by Demons. I mean, dude, Demons is such a killer track, man. That guitar when it uh, slides, that that riff, like you talked about, that Andrew's done, it's it's just, mate, it's golden, mate. It is absolutely golden. Yeah, the solo's really simple, and it's like, you know, you might, might say, why didn't he play, like, a more extensive solo with better, you know, work on the fretboard and stuff like that, but... When I first heard it on the demo, I really dug it because it was really just simple notes, methodical, and it was just like a wicked melody. Yep. It really does suit the song, and he sort of wrote it for the song. It's it's a funny one, eh, because that song's slow all the way through. Um, We were sort of a bit worried that maybe it was going to be too slow, so I don't know, time will tell, I suppose. Oh, I've seen some of the reaction on Facebook this morning already, and they seem to be loving it. And I'd have to agree. I mean, I think it's up there as one of your better songs that you well, that you guys have done. It's um, That's red. yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's um, your vocals have you know, it's like wine, mate. You've aged, um, you know, <laughs> extremely well. Yeah, like a fine wine, mate. I mean, dude, it's really impressive. I mean, fifty years old, dude. I mean, you're celebrating big there, and you know, well, that yeah, was an absolute. When I did that vocal, we did it through this great microphone. Um, and, I mean, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, so whenever I do things, people say, yeah, it sounds great. Just go with that. I'm like, no, I could do it better. So when we went back up to mix, I actually tried to do another vocal, see if I could capture a different type of vocal. But the microphone wasn't there anymore. It had gone. I don't know where it had gone. So I started singing, and it just didn't sound as powerful as, as that original vocal, because most of the time when we do stuff like that, it's always the first couple of vocal takes that I do when I capture the track I need. Everything after that is just bullshit, because you're trying too hard, you know? Yeah. And the thing with those two songs, about you asked, you asked me about recording, is that we did it as a band, you know, like like it should be done. We record live together playing the song. And, uh, yeah, we recorded it because a lot of bands these days don't do that. They don't play as a band. They play to a click track. The drummer will play to a click track without the rest of the band members. He's done his job and then the bass player steps in you know, then the guitarist steps in, you put the vocals on, and it's done. It's, it's, I just think that's fucking weird. Oh, the producer will even come in and change all your drum tracks as well. Things like that, yeah. Oh, that's exactly. It. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, can, I get why people do that, so they can get the perfect record. But it, where's the fun in that, you know? 
Yeah, I think you're right there. I mean, a band is about the uh, being, you know, a certain amount of people together, um, doing things together. It's it's about being a group, and doing it like that is just, um, you know, it's, you're not getting any of that connection. Uh, you don't get any of that vibe, um, and I think you lose a lot of that essence. And um, yeah, it is really important. I mean, it's cool to hear that you guys are still doing that because it's like uh, a lot of bands don't, like you say, and and it, it, it really you miss that energy and you miss that vibe. And uh, that vibe is really captured on this this newest song, man. You really get that buzz and you get an energy from the song. I mean, that's what I love it's, about it. It's not perfect, you know. You listen to it, and I can hear little bits here and there that I'm like you know what we could have taken that out we could have replaced that the vocal could have been presented in a better way in certain areas and maybe louder here and there but you know we just left it you know the performance it is what it is and it was enough you know well so you want to get that raw energy and I, I think yeah. you guys have definitely captured that and um, whether there is this mistake or not and, uh, I mean you you want to get it as for it being real and that's what people are yeah. wanting right now real music eh? yeah the, the, the vocal stuff on Goliath that was highly experimental actually because I've actually tried <laughs> three or four or even five different vocal uh, perceptions of the song um, and the band, well, not everyone liked them, so I was told, you know, to try do what Nigel does on his demo. So that style of vocal, which is sort of like a rat, <laughs> like a talky rat thing, which sounds mental, yeah, um, that was actually Nigel's idea. So I just went with it, saying, you know, <laughs> if it backfires. <laughs> um, you know, because it might freak people out. It's like Doom Rat. You know? Yeah. Yeah, well, I must say, I mean, when I first heard it, I was taken back. But like I say, I think a lot of that was just that it was overshadowed by the fact that, I, I mean, Demons is just such an epic song. And um, it, it's like, um, I guess, smoking a joint after having um, a big <laughs> puff on the pipe. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Um, when we... When we Right, uh, when we got to the end of the demons, you know, like there were sort of moans about it's too long. But when you're writing it and you play it, you don't realise that it's going to be six minutes long. Yeah. So that was an issue because usually you do songs that are three minutes, three and a half minutes. Um, this one doesn't. To me, it doesn't feel that long, but it is long. Yeah, I think you're right there. I don't think it's a long track. And it's you know um, to get that whole vibe and to get the whole thing going, you know, it has that slow start and it builds up nicely, um, and then brings it down again. So I think, that's, yeah, I mean, dude, it's the, the song is the song. You know, it's not about how many minutes it is or anything like that, or whether you're tuned fancy or anything like that, or you put it through so many different processes that I'm cool because I got it through 50 different processes or and killed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a story that that song. Yeah. Oh, mate, that's absolutely killer, mate. Um, very cool. So, um, any um chances you guys getting out on the road or anything? I mean, I you hopefully got a few gigs coming up. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a shame about 
you know, the COVID restrictions and it's sort of put, put the kibosh on the Rock 2000 that we're going to play. There's a tattoo festival coming up in New Plymouth in November. We're doing that, but we sort of wanted to get out and play a few shows on the back of this, but that would be Auckland, Wellington, so we really just have to wait until COVID's settled and then we'll get out there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, mate, well, the fans are dead keen to see you, so, yeah, it'd be very, very cool to have a head like a whole show. It's been a few few moons yeah. between drinks. It's been a while, mate. I want to get back out there before I'm in a Zilla frame. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's it, dude. You, you've, you've crossed that 50 mark, mate. <laughs> I know. 50 and creepy. Here we come. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. Oh, well, um, we haven't got long, much longer with you. I just want to touch base on um, a, a side gig you have going, um, tattooing. You know, I've been very lucky, and you've uh, done a hell of a lot of tattooing on me. Um, and it's, it's an absolute pleasure to have that. Um, how much fun is that, and, you know, how's that going for you? Dude, tattooing's just, it's great, you know. It, it, it is what it's cracked up to be. People look like they're having a great time being a tattoo artist. And it, is, it is cool when you've got a lot of work coming in the door. You know, it just... It's one of those things, you're not going to a nine-to-five job, really. It's something that you really love doing. It's just cool tattooing people, talking shit and, you know, drawing on people's skin. Fucking awesome. Well, that's right. I mean, a a lot of people probably wouldn't be aware that, I mean, as a young fellow, you went through art school and all that sort of thing. So, you know, this is just another expression of your uh, artistry, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to be like a New Zealand painter, when I was younger and when I left art school I had to try to continue on with that but it sort of fell to the wayside you know and then I got into music and I just forgot about art but I've always done things on the side you know we always had control of the head like a whole artwork we'd always do it in house ourselves and we'd hardly ever get anyone to design stuff for us so after all those years to go back to you know being an artist is, is pretty cool. Oh, mate, that's absolutely brilliant, mate. Well, for those that are wanting to get a, get a hold of it, then jump on, what's your website or your Facebook for these uh, people booking in to yeah. get some head like a whole yeah. tattoos? Yeah, it's, it's Booger Beasley on Facebook or, or you know, Instagram, Booger underscore Beasley underscore tattoo. And, and uh, you just hit me up there. And so, and so where are you based? You're Wellington ish based? Yeah, Rao on the Capity Coast. Oh, mate, absolutely killer. So people out there, if you want to get uh, tattooed by the mighty Booger Beasley, get in there, mate, because he does a killer job, man. Well, hey, man, I mean, I think we're up to about almost 20 tattoos that you've done on me so far in the last three to four years, uh, Booger. Yeah, 20's not enough. No, it's not enough. I need to get back in there very, very (laughs) soon. Absolutely love getting work done by you. and Absolute pleasure, mate. Yeah, very, very cool. All sorts of things. And, and if you want to check out his, his art, you can look all over the Facebook page. And I think he's got an Instagram as well. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Booger Beasley tattoo. Excellent. Oh, thank you so much for your time today, Booger. We'll better let you go. 